Good morning, everyone. So good to see you here. And for those online, I can't see you, but thank you for joining this morning. It's so good to have all of you. Um, as we just go into worship, why don't you stand? Uh, feel free to sing along, dance, clap, whatever you feel like doing this morning as we worship God. darkness whose love is mighty and so much stronger the king of glory the king above all kings who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder and leaves us breathless in awe and wonder the king of glory the king above all amazing grace this is unfailing love that you would take my place that you would bear my cross you lay down your life that I would be set free oh Jesus I sing for that you've done for me who brings our chaos back into order who makes the orphan a son and daughter the king of glory the king of glory who rules the nations with truth and justice Shines like the sun in all of its brilliance. The King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. done for me and worthy is the lamb who was slain oh, worthy is the king who conquered the grave oh, worthy is the lamb who was slain and worthy is the king who conquered the grave and worthy is the lamb who was slain Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy, worthy, worthy of this is amazing grace. Remember your people, remember 
your children remember your promise oh god your grace is enough your grace is enough your grace is enough for me great is your love and justice god of jacob you use the weak to lead the strong in the song of your salvation and all your people sing along so remember your people remember your children remember your promise oh God promise oh god your grace is enough your grace is enough your grace is enough for me your grace is enough heaven reaches out to us your grace is enough for me. God, I sing your grace is enough. I'm covered in your love. Your grace is enough for me. to see you here. Why don't you greet someone next to you and then find your way to your seats for some announcements. All right, you may be seated. Thank you, everyone. Again, it is so good to see you here this morning. Just a few quick announcements for you. Our first one, we announced last week that our youth are doing a luncheon for you guys as a fundraiser for our upcoming uh, junior high convention. Now, for students to go to this, it costs them $90, and we want to reduce that cost as much as possible to make it accessible to all students who want to attend. So for that end, next week, we are putting on a spaghetti dinner made by our youth and youth leaders for you guys. You can either take it home with you, you can eat in Stewart Hall. It's consisting of spaghetti, garlic bread, and pumpkin pie, so it's like the perfect Sunday fall uh, lunch. So make sure, if you want to sign up, this is the Sunday to do it. Last week, we took registrations. But you won't get your dinner until we get paid. I mean, yeah, so make sure to go out after service. Zach Sameo is collecting money and collecting signups. This is the Sunday to do it because next week we are serving. There won't be any signups throughout the week. So if you want to support our youth ministries in this way, uh, we, we thank you for doing so and we encourage you to sign up this morning to, to help our students out in that way. Kids, grades, uh, JK to grade 5, you are free to go off to Kids Church and meet your leaders at the side entrance over here. Have a great uh, Sunday morning down there. And ushers, you are invited to come up and start collecting this morning's tithes and offerings while I turn it over back to Andrew. Thanks for leading.
there's a place for me I'm a child of God yes I am and I am chosen not forsaken I am who you say I am I am not against me I am who you say I am I am chosen not forsaken I am who you say I am you are for me not against me I am who you say I am I am who you say I am who the sun sets I'm a child of God, yes I am In my Father's house, there's a place for me I'm a child of God, yes I am In my Father's house there's a place for me I'm a child of God Yes, I am I am chosen, not forsaken I am who you say I am God, you're for me, not against me I am who you say I am I am chosen, not forsaken I am who you say I am You are for me, not against me I am who you say I am I am chosen, not forsaken I am who you say I am You are for me, not against me I am who you say I am Yes, I am who you say I am Who the sun sets Always free indeed I'm a child of God Yes, I am In my Father's house There's a place for me I'm a child of God Yes, I am I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like But I've heard the tender whisper of love In the dead of night and you tell me That you're pleased and that I'm never alone you're a good, good father It's who you are It's who you are It's who you are And I'm loved by you It's who I am It's who I am It's who I am And I've seen Many searching for answers Far and wide But I know 
searching for answers Only you provide Cause you know just what we need Before we say a word You're a good, good father It's who you are It's who you are It's who you are And I'm loved by you who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. To to gather, Lord, that we're able to freely worship you. God, that no matter the circumstances that, that we're in, that when we walked into this place, that God, that you're here, that you're here with us, waiting for us, that no matter the circumstances, God, that you have your hand on us, that your favor shines upon us. 
So God, would we not be discouraged by, by what we may be facing in our week, but God, would we remember that here in this place, God, we are, we are with you, Lord. That you give us peace, that you give us strength. So God, thank you for that reminder this morning. And so I, I just pray that, that as we continue to, to worship in, in this service, Lord, that as we hear from the word, God, would our hearts be prepared just to receive what you may be saying to us this morning? God, would you just anoint uh, Pastor Shannon as he speaks this morning? That, Lord, that, that the words that he speaks would be from you, God, and, and, and not from his own agenda, but, Lord, that, that you would be doing something unique in, in all of our hearts, God. So thank you for who you are and for how you love us, God. In your name I pray. We all pray. Amen. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is uh, found in 2 Samuel chapter 9, and we are reading verses 1 through 5. David asked, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba, and they called him to appear before David And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? Your servant, he replied. The king asked, Is there no one still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, He is at the house of Machir, son of Amiel, in Lodabar. Thank you. Oh, sorry, one last sentence. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Machir, son of Amiel. Now you can be seated. Thank you. Thank you, Andrew and worship team, for leading us this morning. Good morning. Nice to see you. Thank you for that one person. Throughout my lifetime, there have been many tragedies that have taken place in our world because of senseless acts of violence, and it seems like we see them every week. But as I look back over recent years, There's one that really stands out to me, and it's one that impacted me significantly at the time, and it's one that I often remember on an ongoing basis. It was 2007 in Nickel Mines, Pennsylvania, when a lone gunman stormed into a one-room Amish school, and some of you may remember that, in the process shooting 10 girls and five of them were killed before he took his own life. Now, what impacted me at that time and many others all around the world above the sadness and the loss and the, the, the senseless violence that had taken place, what really impacted so many around the world at this particular event was the way in which the Amish expressed mercy toward the killer and his family. Visiting his home and bringing food and flowers to his widow and children. Attending his funeral just a few days after burying their own children to show support for his widow and their three children. Making up actually more than half of all of those who were in attendance. Donating money to help the family as they move forward into their future. They were experiencing an incredibly deep pain of loss, yet somehow were living out mercy towards those deemed to be undeserving. And so many, like myself, watched all of this unfold in marvel, wondering how such mercy could be shown. How is this possible? This just doesn't seem like it's even possible. And so, 
as they were interviewing some significant people in the community, there was one Amish elder who responded when asked, how could they show such mercy? And his statement was this, the acid of bitterness eats the container that holds it. The acid of bitterness eats the container that holds it. And so he began to elaborate that Amish forgiveness and mercy is rooted in the teachings of Jesus, and he explained that they believe strongly that they should show mercy because they have been shown mercy. Now, if we were to be totally transparent this morning, and I think generally (laughs) that's kind of the rule I live my life by anyway, I would admit that really what drew me to this tragic story more than the others is is the reality that it just really struck me. I'm really not sure I could extend mercy like that. I'm not sure I could have responded in that way. In fact, I'm pretty sure I probably wouldn't have. And it made me feel really uncomfortable, and it it made me feel really convicted about my own ability to express mercy towards others. It was very, very convicting. Today we are continuing our fall sermon series, which we've entitled Heart for God. It's based on the life of King David, who is referred to in Scripture as a man after God's own heart. And so today we're going to be considering the story of David and the unexpected mercy that he showed towards Saul's grandson, Mephibosheth. And as we do that today, we are going to be reminded that those who have a heart for God are able to extend mercy, God's mercy, to those who are undeserving because they've experienced God's mercy themselves. And so as we work our way through the story, we're going to begin with the promise. Promise. Over the past couple of sermons in this series, last week we took a break for Thanksgiving, but over the past couple of sermons in the series, we've Focus on Saul's attempts to kill David and David's attempts to evade Saul and hide where Saul couldn't find him. And so the last two areas that we focused on was in that context of David on the run from Saul and the impact of that. There is no question that Saul resented David and wanted to kill him because Saul saw David Uh, You know, he was jealous of him, and he saw him as a threat to his kingdom, not just his kingdom, but to the lineage of his family carrying on the kingdom. And so David was a threat to Saul, and Saul decided to, if he could eliminate David, he would eliminate the threat. Now, even though Saul despised David and wanted to harm him, we read in Scripture that Saul's son Jonathan was actually a very good friend of David's. He, it was, he was his bestie. I mean, he was, they were close. And David knew, or Jonathan knew that his father was evil. He knew that. And he often acted actually against his father. When there were circumstances playing out that were a potential threat to David, he would protect David from the harm of his father. He would intervene and he would let David know what his father was planning and scheming so that David could be a step ahead and be safe. Jonathan and David were the best of friends. They loved each other deeply. Scripture says that they were one in spirit. They were like brothers, very, very close. And Jonathan knew that David would one day be the king. Saul knew that too, he just didn't want to accept it, but Jonathan knew that David would one day be king, and Jonathan was good with that. He, he, was, he supported that idea. And so the two of them, being so close, being you know, such good friends, united together, they made a sworn covenant together, a promise to one another, that when David eventually did become king, that he would protect Jonathan and his family. He would keep them safe once he was in the position as king. Now, as we read the story of Jonathan, sadly we see that Jonathan was killed in battle 
on the same day that his father, Saul, took his own life on the battlefield when it became evident to him that he was about to be defeated. David made a promise to protect Jonathan's family. Secondly, today, I want us to look at reflection. Following Saul's death, David became king at Hebron, and we talked about that earlier in the series. For about seven and a half years, before finally becoming the king of all of Israel, seated and established in Jerusalem. So for the first seven and a half years, he was in the king of Hebron only. And it was a customary at this time for a new king to have all of the remaining family members of the previous king killed in order to eliminate any chance of a revolt to overthrow the new king and to establish themselves on the throne. And so now David is in Jerusalem. He's reflecting on the fact that God has led him this far. He's now the king of all of Israel. It's the promise that God made him when he was just a teenage boy. And as he's reflecting back on all of that, he remembered the promise that he made to Jonathan. He's recalling the promise that he would show mercy to Jonathan's family. Now, mercy means withholding punishment that is deserved, not acting out punishment that is deserved. And so based on custom, Jonathan, you know, in, in the customs of the day, Jonathan's family deserved death. But David had promised otherwise. He promised mercy. And so David brought his people together and he, he inquired in his court and he said, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul? And he made it clear why he was asking. It wasn't, you know, so I can kill them and eliminate any. No, that's not why. He says, is there anyone left in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? There were no conditions to the request. They just had to be a member of Saul's family. Is there anybody left? And someone suggested that maybe the best way to know to answer that question would be to call in a former servant of the household of Saul, named Ziba, and ask him if he was aware of anybody. And so David asked Ziba, he said, is there no one still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Notice the use of the words God's kindness. It's a different question this time. It was God's mercy in David's life that enabled him to show mercy to others who in the culture would have seen and been deemed undeserving. And so Ziba said, well, I'm aware of one. There, there's one out there. And this one is actually the son of Jonathan, the grandson. This one is a grandson of Saul. And his name is Mephibosheth. But then it's interesting that at the end of the sentence, they kind of throw this, and there's something you need to know about him is that He's crippled in both feet. The day that both Jonathan and Saul died on Mount Gilboa, there was mayhem in the palace. There was a fear that the enemy, their enemies would come in and would kill all of the remaining family members, as was the custom, and that everyone there needed to run for their lives. And so we're told that there was a, a nurse, a, you know, a, a daycare person, who looked after Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth. And so in all of the mayhem, she picked him up in her arms so she could run away and protect him, keep him safe. But we're told that during the escape, she dropped him. And as a result of that, he became permanently disabled. He was crippled in both feet. And now he is living in a place known as Lodabar. The word lo means no. Debar means pasture. And so the name of this place means no pasture. It's a, you know, Mephibosheth is living in a desolate, barren place where no one would suspect him, where people wouldn't naturally go, and where harm wouldn't come to him. Thirdly, in the story, we see action. 
David, upon hearing this news, because not only is it a descendant of Saul, but it is actually the son of his best friend, Jonathan. And so he immediately requested that Mephibosheth be brought before him at the palace. And so an entourage from the palace shows up in this barren land of Lodabar, and they find this crippled man named Mephibosheth, and they told him, listen, the king wants to see you. You need to come with us. Now, this would have been a stressful event for Mephibosheth for a couple of reasons. First, because he's the lone remaining member of the former king's family, right? And he'd been living in this low-key place, and the king had now discovered his existence, and, and he knew the custom. He, he knew how these things played out, and I'm sure that he's probably thinking, okay, well, you know, the gig is up. I've been able to survive this long and in isolation, and no one knows I'm out here, but you know, I'm likely now this is it. I'm going to be brought before the king and I'm going to be executed. Second thing that made this unusual is that people with severe injuries, especially those with disabilities, were often hidden from royalty. They weren't allowed around the royal court. They weren't allowed around royalty because their disability was viewed as, as a negative reflection. It was dishonoring on the king. It was a negative reflection on the king. So this is an odd request because am I going to be killed? And like, why would I be allowed to go into the presence of the king? People like me live in obscurity. So Mephibosheth was afraid. And when he entered into the king's court, we're told that he fell on his face and bowed to the king. Now, it's interesting how he referred to himself. He bowed before the king and he said, I am a dead dog. Now, what this language means is this. I'm worthless. I have, I'm without value. I'm just a worthless human being. And he's falling before the king, scared for his life. And David told him, he says, like, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. My intention here is not to harm you. My intention here is to show you mercy. I want to show you mercy, and maybe you know that you don't understand it. It's not the way culture works. It's not the way thing, the customs are around here. You know, but I'm, I'm going to show you mercy because for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I made a promise, and I promised I would take care of his family, and I'm going to fulfill that promise. I'm here to show you mercy for the sake of your father, Jonathan. And then as a practical gesture, David just pours it on. He said, you know what? What I'm going to do, Mephibosheth, is I'm going to return to you personally all of the farmland that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul. I'm going to return that to you personally. And what I'm going to do to help you with that farmland is that I'm going to choose and instruct, and Ziba and his family and some others, they're going to be in charge of working your land on your behalf. It's your land, they're going to work it, and you are going to receive the proceeds and the benefits from that land. It's going to go to you and to your family. And then on top of that, you're not going back to Lodabar. You're not going back to that barren, desolate place. You are going to stay here in the palace with me and you are going to sit at the king's table daily. I think the significance of that likely escapes us. That normally someone of his physical reality wouldn't even be allowed to be seen by the king let alone be invited to the table to eat with the king and his family every single day. And the scripture tells us that Mephibosheth ate at the king's table like one of his sons. There's a lot of application directions we can go here, and many different people have gone to those places, and, and there are two that I want to go to today as we consider our response to this incredible act of mercy that
that we see in David's life. And the first thing I want to start with is we need mercy. We need mercy. I believe that many of us can in many ways relate to Mephibosheth. Yes, our circumstances are different. It's a long time ago. Our lives are different here now, but there there are things about his life that we can relate to because sometimes our lives feel like a barren place. Our lives feel desolate. Our lives feel like we are cut off from other people and we are lonely, lonely people. Like Mephibosheth, we feel worthless sometimes. We have no sense of value because of what others or and or our circumstances have caused us to believe about ourselves. And so we feel like our lives are in this desolate place. We feel like we're worthless. We're broken. We've suffered. We've experienced significant losses. And we find ourselves, likely like Mephibosheth did, Comparing what used to be, what our life used to be, to what our current reality is. Now, the truth is, if we are to be really honest, some of us find ourselves there by our own, our own choices, our own actions, our own behavior, experiencing the natural consequences of the lives that we've lived. There's, there's no question that that happens. But some of us, and maybe even many of us, are like Mephibosheth. Our lives are what they are because we've been impacted by the choices or actions or behaviors of others. I mean, he once lived in the beauty of the palace and now he lives in a desolate place. He once ran and played and now he's disabled and relied on the care of others just to exist. He once was well known, but now... He's forgotten. And so regardless of why we are where we are, the truth remains we need mercy. We need the mercy of others who will show kindness to us to help us like David did for Mephibosheth. But most importantly, as important as that is, most importantly, We need the mercy of God. And the good news that we find in Scripture is this. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5, Paul said, But God is so rich in mercy. I want you to hear that. God is so rich in mercy. And He, God, loved us So much that even though we were dead, (laughs) you could even manipulate the scripture and say, even though we were a dead dog because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. God is so rich in mercy. And so God's mercy, God's mercy moves us from feeling worthless. God's mercy moves us from feeling worthless to knowing our value. And our value is centered in Jesus Christ. That's where our value is centered. Not in what others think or how others define us or anything that's happened in our lives or the choices we've made. Our value is not determined by any of that. God's mercy moves us from feeling worthless and we become and we know our value in Jesus Christ. That's where our value lies. God's mercy moves us from a desolate and a hopeless place He takes us from there and he moves us to a place of purpose and hope. God's mercy allows us to be known by him even though we are forgotten by others. God's mercy takes us from being obsessed with focusing on the past 
And many of us have a tendency to do that. Focusing on the past, looking back on what was. And instead, God's mercy points us to a future. A future that is filled with purpose. A future that is filled with promise. God's mercy moves us from being undeserving to deserving because of the work that Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. We all need mercy. The mercy of others. But most importantly, the mercy of God. Secondly, others need mercy. Others need mercy. David was able to demonstrate the mercy of God towards others because he had first experienced the mercy of God in his own life. So much of David's life was was not getting what he deserved, but getting beyond what he ever could have deserved. God's mercy shown to him made it natural, made it possible to show mercy to, to others. We all know that we live in a culture that prioritizes revenge and punishment ahead of mercy and restoration. We are a culture more obsessed with revenge and punishment than we are mercy and restoration. People need mercy. And even though we may think that many of them do not deserve it, for this reason that it's important to remember that God showed us mercy when we didn't deserve it. We offer mercy because we've been offered mercy. In Colossians 3:13 it says make allowance. Make allowance, make room for each other's faults. Create a space for that. And forgive anyone that offends you. Now, offend there means more than just, you said something I don't agree with and now I'm offended. All right? That's, that's not what it talks about. It means really being, harming someone, hurting someone, impacting someone significantly that their lives are changed as a result of it. Make allowance, make space for each other's faults, and forgive anyone who impacts you in that way. Remember that the Lord forgave you. The Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Scripture is fun when it says the things we want to say, but it's really uncomfortable when it says the things we don't want it to say, right? Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Just as Christ, in Christ, God forgave you. Folks, we are able to demonstrate the mercy of God towards others, even when it's really difficult, because we are reminded that we first experienced the mercy of God in our own lives. God's mercy shown to us makes it possible for us to show mercy to others. It seems to me that the Amish elder was on to something. A good understanding of the teachings of Jesus. I'm going to invite our worship team to come back. We all need mercy. The mercy of others, we need that. We need people to show us mercy. But most importantly, we need the mercy of God. And we offer mercy because we have been offered mercy. And so those who have a heart for God are able to extend God's mercy to those who are undeserving because they have experienced God's mercy themselves. And so as we bring our service to conclusion this morning and we 
in a few moments focus on prayer and an opportunity for me to pray with you if that's what you would choose. You know, the desire of every time the Word of God is preached is that the Holy Spirit would stir our hearts and our minds to reflect and ask how this might relate to us. Right? I mean, if we just wanted a half an hour or 20 minutes of entertainment, there's a lot of other things we could do. And I'm not always the most entertaining person. We have to ask that question. And as the worship team leads us this morning and as we come to the final moments of the service, I, I believe it's, it's imperative for us in our own personal and private reflection today to allow the Holy Spirit and ask the Holy Spirit, Am I withholding mercy? Is there someone to whom I need to show mercy that I find it incredibly difficult to do that? I know God's forgiven me and I should, but it's really hard and, and I just have not been able to do that. Is, is the Holy Spirit convicting? Is, is there someone coming to mind for you today? And if there is, I believe you need to respond to that and allow the Holy Spirit to lead you in that. There may be some of you here today that you are in desperate need of mercy. You need to experience mercy. And you can experience that mercy as you look to God this morning, as Jesus Christ impacts and shows mercy to your life and makes real in your life what he's made available for all of us. God's incredible mercy and grace and forgiveness. So would you stand with me? And if you're here this morning and you would like someone to pray with you, I'm going to come down here at the front and if you'd like that, you can just come up and, and I'll be happy to pray with you this morning. Otherwise, I encourage you just to take these moments. These are important moments. These may be the, the most important moments of this whole service these next few minutes in your life, the most important moments. What do I do in response to mercy? God, to others, what's God asking of me? Andrew, would you lead us this morning? Your kindness leads me to repentance And your goodness draws me to your side And your mercy calls me to be like you And your favor is my delight Every day I'll awaken my praise And pour out a song from my heart You are good You are good You are good And your mercy is forever you are good you are good you are good and your mercy is forever your kindness leads me to repentance and your goodness draws me to your side and your mercy calls me to be like you and your favor is my delight and every day I'll awaken my praise and pour out song from my heart Oh, you are 
are good you are good and your mercy is forever oh you are good you are good you are good and your mercy is forever oh you Your mercy is forever. Oh, you are good. You are good. You are good. And your mercy is forever. And your kindness is forever. Your goodness is forever. Your mercy is forever, forever. And your kindness is forever. Your goodness is forever. Your mercy is forever, forever. Aren't you glad that His kindness and His mercy is forever? We're going to pray together this morning as we bring our service to conclusion. And we're continuing to pray for Edith Sauce, and I'm sure if she's able, she's watching our service this morning from the hospital, continuing to pray for her and her family. We're also praying for Esther Moore this morning, Pastor Scott's wife, Esther. Esther has been in and had a hospital a couple times this week, She's experiencing a lot of uh, health issues, and um, so we're just praying for her today as well. So let's, let's pray together. Father, this morning we come before you. We thank you that your kindness is forever. We thank you that your mercy is forever. We thank you that your mercies are new every morning. Every morning, every day when we wake, your mercies are new for that day. Your mercy is not something of the past, not a distant memory, not that one time, but new every morning, every day. And Father, like the psalmist, we say, great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. And so I pray for all of us who are either gathered in this room this morning or, or watching this service via the live stream. Lord, I, I wouldn't presume to know what your Holy Spirit is speaking into the hearts of people, drawing to our attention, digging out of the rubble of the, the mess inside our lives at times to show us what needs to be done. But Lord, you know. And if there is someone to whom we need to show mercy, help us to do that because we have been shown mercy and it is your mercy that we show. And we can show it because we've experienced it. So help us with that, we pray. Lord, so often in church liturgy, the words are used, Lord, have mercy. There are many of us that those are only words that we've been able to pray at times. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. And that's our prayer again this morning. Lord, have mercy. Lord, for Edith today, would you continue to bring your peace, your strength? Thank you for the hope that is within her that overflows to anyone that comes around her. The joy of the Lord, despite her circumstances. Strengthen her and her family today, I pray. And Lord, for Esther today, we pray for her as well. We pray for your healing in her body. We pray that you would take the pain and discomfort. We pray that you would keep her healthy and safe. We pray for their baby, that you keep their baby healthy and safe. Pray for Pastor Scott and Lucy for your peace for them as they 
walk with her. Lord, we pray that you would intervene in ways that only you can to accomplish what only you can. And so, Lord, as we conclude this service today, we collectively say, Lord, have mercy. And let us be vessels of mercy. So many undeserving people around us every day, yet we choose to show mercy and love and grace because of what you've done in our lives. Help us this week to live like you and show mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. Some of you are new. I'd love to meet you after. If you want to stick around for a few moments, I'll come down and meet you. God bless you.